When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. I'm Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode 78. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there and welcome back. Today we are talking about the true state of recycling in 2019 America. I grew up in the 1980s and I remember as a kid seeing commercials about recycling, seeing posters about recycling. The 1980s was a big decade for urging the public to recycle. And by and large, Americans jumped on board. Today, many of us see recycling as the holy grail of waste management, but we shouldn't. Maybe as you've perused the headlines over the past year, you've noticed something about China, something about them not taking our recycling anymore, but it's confusing. You don't know what it all means, and more specifically, you don't know what it all means for you. We're going to get there today. We're also going to get into six reasons, six really concrete reasons why Americans should not be quite so excited about recycling at all, as well as what we should be excited about and what we should be doing instead of recycling. We will also touch on what actually happens to our trash, what incineration and what landfills actually look like and what their actual consequences are, because For many people, and if you feel this way, you're absolutely not alone, we forget about our trash once the garbage collector picks it up off of our curb. We assume that it's going somewhere safe. We assume it will be disposed of properly. And spoiler alert, that is simply not the case. This week's show notes, so everything we're talking about today can be found at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 078. That's mamaminimalist.com forward slash 078. Let's just jump right in. The reason I am covering this topic today is because recently in my town's private Facebook group, I read a post. And as an environmental blogger and podcast host, I was not so surprised. But what surprised me was the outrage in the comments from this post. So let me read you the post. Quote, I just watched my garbage man empty my recycling into the same side of the truck as my garbage. Anyone else having this problem or notice if their garbage pickup company is sending recycling to landfills? End quote. Now, after this was posted, comments blew up from fellow citizens. 
Many quickly chimed in saying that they had also observed the same phenomenon on their respective curbs. Now, to be fair, some commenters were quick to defend the garbage company, saying comments like, was she sure she saw what she thought she saw? Was the original poster sure that the driver hadn't pulled a lever to separate the bins in the back? Could the poster just be mistaken? The original poster was pretty adamant. She knew what she saw, and she was so sure she knew what she saw that she called her trash company. Now, we're going to get to what happened when she called her trash company later, but what really fascinated me about this post and about the comments was the genuine shock and surprise that the original poster had, as well as the commenters, that their trash was not being disposed of properly. Most Americans have no idea what happens to their trash once that garbage, those bags, go onto the truck, right? We expect that our recycling is actually getting recycled. We assume that the good men and women working in waste management are doing right by our garbage. Some of us, maybe many of us listening to an environmentally skewed podcast, look at the amount of trash and the amount of recycling that we are actually sending to the curb every week. You're aware of how much you're throwing out and you're trying to cut back. But for the average American, they don't know how much they're throwing away and they don't care because they do something that they've been taught to believe is absolutely amazing for the environment, and that is recycling. Recycling became popular in the 1980s. There's been decades-long efforts urging Americans to recycle, and by and large, America as a nation is thrilled about recycling. We recycle in our homes. We recycle at airports, at schools, in office buildings, in hospitals, you name it, there is a recycle bin. Even better is when we see our favorite products, our Coca-Cola, in a bottle that has that three-arrow logo, we feel extra special great about purchasing it because, hey, who cares? We can recycle that bottle. No big deal. We sleep easy because we recycle. We don't worry so much about how much we're putting on the curb because we've convinced ourselves that we're doing all that we can for the environment simply by recycling. We as Americans, we as a country, we are thrilled about recycling, but we shouldn't be. Now, I have six reasons why. The first reason is that recycling has diverted public attention away from larger waste management reforms. We have been so focused on recycling that we've failed to do more. And we've really just been short-sighted when the problem is so large, the waste problem is so large, it demands vision and it demands much more action on the part of individual citizens. Reason number two why we should not be excited about recycling is that recycling normalizes excessive consumption, particularly of those single-use goods. Because we recycle, right, we assume it's a-okay to embrace disposability as a way of life. Think about all the items that you purchase that are single-use items that you assume are okay to use because you recycle. So that yogurt container, that Coca-Cola bottle, that plastic takeout food container, the list goes on and on. And if you start to do some introspection and look at what you're using and why exactly you think it's okay to 
consume those single-use items at a rapid rate, that introspection can get uncomfortable for many people. First perspective, the most recent year for which national data on trash production is available is 2015. So in 2015, America generated 262.4 million tons of waste, which was up 4.5% from 2010 and up 60% from 1985. So what is 262.4 million tons? That is five pounds of trash per person per day. That's crazy. Five pounds. Reason number three, recycling tricks us into viewing ourselves as responsible stewards of the planet. How often have we patted ourselves on the back because we recycle, right? The reality, however, is that we can and we should be doing way more than simply washing out our recycling and putting it on the curb. We'll get to what we should be doing a little bit later, but we should be doing more. Reason number four, why we shouldn't be so excited about recycling is that as a nation, America is terrible at recycling. Now, I did an entire episode on this topic. It was episode 34, Nine Things You're Recycling Wrong. We are terrible at recycling. We clog the sorting machinery with those plastic bags, those plastic produce bags that we think are recyclable. They're not. We neglect to actually wash out those jars and those orange juice containers and those aluminum cans before tossing them in the recycling bin. So because they're dirty, we are ruining entire batches of perfectly good recycling. The final reason why we're not so great at recycling is because we aren't pragmatic about it. We're aspirational. We're putting things in the recycling bin because we hope that they're recyclable, not because we actually looked into our town or our city's recycling standards and are following the rules. We just shove things in the bin, put them on the curb, and hope that they'll get recycled. Reason number five, we don't fully understand how recycling works. So many people assume that you can take a recyclable product break it down, and recreate that same product again. For aluminum, that is absolutely the case. Aluminum is the perfect recycling material. Glass is pretty darn good too. However, plastic is not recycled. It is downcycled, which means that after it's broken down, after it's remade into something new, the new thing, the new plastic, is weaker than it was, it's thinner than it was, and more fragile than it once was. Plastic can only be downcycled an average of eight times before it just becomes trash, before it comes garbage, because it can't be recycled anymore. And finally, reason number six why recycling is not the holy grail of waste management, nobody wants our recycling. Now here's where China comes in. It used to be that China happily bought bales and bales of America's paper and plastics. We shipped it across the world to China. A low-wage worker would sift through our recycling and set aside the valuable stuff. Then that valuable stuff would be remade into shoes and handbags and other goods to be sold on the market. 
This policy worked great for everybody until it wasn't working so well for China anymore. Because we contaminated entire bales with our non-recyclables and because it was a lofty job to sift through bales and bales of junk to find one hidden treasure in mounds of junk, the Chinese government started restricting this policy in 2017 and they eliminated it completely at the tail end of 2018. So as of now, 2019, China no longer accepts our recyclables. Let's jump back to that post in my community Facebook group for a minute. Because China no longer wants our castoffs, U.S. waste companies, just like the one that that woman witnessed taking her garbage and taking her recycling and putting it all into the same bin in the truck, waste companies just like that one are finding themselves stuck with recycling that nobody wants. Those waste companies are also hit with new costs associated with processing trash and processing recycling because America now has to process its own recycling. That's expensive. Overseas markets used to accept bales that included the dirty stuff and the unrecyclable stuff mixed in with a little bit of good recyclable trash, but domestic standards, current standards in America require that more time and more labor be spent sorting all those items that we just aspirationally threw into our recycling bin with the highest of hopes. It is expensive to recycle, so garbage companies like the one in my town are quietly cutting corners by dumping yours and my recycling into landfills when they think no one's watching. Now, I know there is at least one listener out there on the interweb right now saying, all right, who cares? What's so bad about incineration? What's so bad about landfills? Even in 2019, we are still burning approximately 15% of America's total garbage each year. Now, if that sounds controversial, it is, and it should be, because when we burn our garbage, we are spewing dangerous smoke and gases and ash into the air we breathe. We wouldn't burn our household trash in our fire pit in the backyard because, of course, we'd be worried about the toxins and the pollutants that we would then be breathing in, right? We wouldn't burn our milk jugs in the backyard. And so if we're not going to burn them in our backyard, we might want to think twice about mass incineration as well. So I'll let that sit with you for one moment, and then I will move on to the landfills. Landfills are at the edges of town, right? They're tucked away. On top of them is hydra seed, so it doesn't look so bad, but it definitely doesn't look natural. I hear all the time, well, what's so bad with landfills? Well, I'm just going to give you a couple aspects of landfills that might make you cringe. The first one is all those toxic substances that the average American throws out, like batteries, like televisions, like nail polish, all those things we know we shouldn't throw out, but we're too lazy to dispose of properly. As those things break down, they leach toxins into the soil and the groundwater, which therefore pollutes an area that extends way beyond the landfill. Okay. So if you think that pollution is just confined to the landfill, think again. Another reason why landfills are not benign, leachate which is basically a highly toxic, sludgy liquid that's created when waste breaks down and mixes with water, pollutes our soil and our waterways. 
And finally, the last reason why landfills are not so great, in the absence of oxygen, our trash produces methane when it decomposes. Now, methane is a greenhouse gas that's 25 times more potent than carbon dioxide and is a gigantic major player in climate change. Now, if you're wondering whether 21st century landfills are more sophisticated than simply a hole in the ground, the answer is absolutely yes. The hole in the ground is lined with kind of like, think about a bubble. And once the bubble fills, it's then topped off. However, those bubbles are only guaranteed to last on average for 50 years before they start to leak. Dumping our recycling in landfills or burning our recycling is only compounding the problems we just discussed and with really terrible long-term effects for our planet, but also for our health as humans. All right, so recycling is not the answer. Sending our trash to landfills is not the answer. So what can you, as an ordinary citizen, do? I have six strategies for you. And a little hint, they're not anything we haven't talked about in the last 77 episodes of this podcast. Oftentimes I feel that I'm saying the same things over and over, but I do that because what my guests talk about and the strategies we say over and over again are actually tried and true. So the first one, of course, as minimalists, avoid overbuying. Consumption is at the heart of economic health, right? But consumption creates trash and it also wastes resources. Only purchase new when you can't acquire something through an alternative means like borrowing or like reusing or repairing or buying secondhand. Really and truly avoid purchasing new. Strategy number two is to buy local when you do have to buy. Now, when you buy local, you're saving on shipping materials. So your item, whatever it may be, your new vacuum, let's say, is not wrapped and wrapped in excessive shipping materials and excess packaging that is just going to be turned around and thrown into the landfill. Number three is to repair what's broken. Now, this is in 2019 crazy talk, right? If something breaks, we're just so wealthy, we throw it out and buy a new one. As a nation, not individuals, but as a nation, we are wealthy, and as a nation, as a common practice, this is what we do. Nearly everything is disposable these days, but it shouldn't be. We hardly flinch when our washing machine, for example, breaks. We just chuck it, buy a new one. I ask you to consider not being so quick to chuck that washing machine. Repair the part that's broken instead, instead of taking the whole thing, even the good stuff, and throwing it in the landfill. Even better is to take pains before buying and be a conscious consumer. We've talked about that before many a time. Buy quality, buy once, and do your research. If you're interested in learning more about how exactly to be a conscious consumer and what even conscious consumerism means, definitely check out episode 71 of this podcast. I give some really good resources for you as you seek to buy quality and to buy once. Strategy number four is to sell unwanted items as opposed to donate. Now, I know that selling adds a little bit extra work onto your already overloaded plate, but stay with me. 
we are less likely to just haphazardly trash items we paid for as opposed to items we acquired for free. It's almost as if paying for something and being a part of an actual transaction makes the item more valuable. I urge you to sell your unwanted items to buyers who are excited for it, even if and even when your payout is going to be small. Consider selling. Number five, oh my gosh, I love this word, compost. Compost what you can. It's old news to compost your fruits, your vegetables, your bread scraps. We all know those are great compost materials. But did you know that you can and you should add cardboard and paper towel rolls and paper towels and napkins that don't have meat or cheese on them into your compost? You can also compost some really crazy things like old cotton clothing, Q-tips, dryer lint. The list goes on and on. Compost your heart out and really feel good about it. As a side note here, a listener recently wrote to me on Instagram saying, I need to do an episode on composting because there are so many lingering questions that y'all have. Stay tuned. That's coming up. My final tip for you is to say goodbye to single-use items for good. We use single-use items for minutes or even seconds, and then we throw them out. Tampons, individually wrapped snacks, plastic bags. We use them. We throw them out. We don't even think about trashing them. I'm asking you to think about it, and I'm asking you to make incremental steps towards eliminating single-use from your life and from your vocabulary. Now, if you're unsure of where to start, I have a comprehensive list of sustainable swaps on my website. I'll also link to it in this week's show notes for some of you. But even if you just tackle one thing, those Q-tips, for example, or those plastic bags, try that change on for size, see how it feels. Once you get comfortable with it, you add another. Don't feel as though you have to do it all at once. Instead of being unintentional about your single-use usage, let's be more intentional. Now, I can't say goodbye without telling you what happened when the original poster of that Facebook post contacted her trash company. She told him what she saw, and at first, the owner of the company was just dubious that she saw what she claimed to have seen. He really kind of put the blame on her. But when she persisted, he became apologetic. He assured her that sending recycling to landfills was not their standard procedure, He promised he would talk to the crew on the truck, and he promised to make a change. The bottom line is we have no control over the waste management companies. The only aspect of waste management that we have control of is what we throw out. This week's show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 078. And if you're looking for a little more inspiration, if you just adore a good challenge, July 1st starts Plastic Free July. Now, if you've never heard of Plastic Free July before, it is an international movement that happens every July 1st and lasts for the entire month of July, where concerned citizens vow to not use plastic for the entire month. If you sign up, you will get helpful hints, inspiration, motivation, encouragement, et cetera, et cetera. I will link to the Plastic Free July website in this week's show notes if that sounds like something you might be interested in. On next week's episode, we are talking about the basics of capsule wardrobes for everyone, even those of you who are completely ambivalent about capsule wardrobes. I am going to convert you. I will see you then. 
Take care.